Are you ready to take the lead in the dance of life? Fall in love with who you are right now and find uninhibited joy every day? Then it's time for you to flaunt your smart, sexy, and spiritual self. Join radio host Laura Cheadle and learn how the five steps of flaunt can help you quit seeking approval, proving your worth, and release you from the judgment of others. Express all that you are, discover your naked self-worth, and finally, enjoy the life you've worked so hard to create. Hello, welcome to Flaunt, Build Your Dreams and Live Your Sparkle. I'm Laura Cheadle, and this month we're talking about burlesque and boobies. Ah, boobies, what do you mean, Laura? Well, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, first of all, so let's all talk about those boobies so they can stay healthy. And then also, this show is all about breaking taboo. It's about talking about the things that we don't think we should talk about because we're afraid of being judged. We're afraid that people will think something is wrong with us. Where in reality, we're really all the same. Today's interview is with Michelle Baldwin, and she is a burlesque artist, among other things. She is also the author of Burlesque and the New Bump and Grind. And what I would like to do today is talk to her about the history of burlesque. Why? Why does that matter to you? Let me tell you why it matters. Burlesque is a parody. It's part of our culture in America as well as in Europe. And it helps break down the taboo that women should not be able to express the way they want to with their bodies. It also breaks down the taboo that nudity and sexuality are the same thing. And really, they're not. So with that, let's dive right in. Let's start, start talking about burlesque. And I challenge you to open your mind and to start thinking and pondering about taboo, female nudity, and all of those things that you might be going, ooh, I don't know about that. So welcome to the show, Michelle. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks. Nice to see you. Oh, it's good to see you too. Will you start by giving us a little bit of your personal history, how you came to study burlesque and to end up writing a book about burlesque? Um, so I was an art student when I discovered burlesque. Um, I saw a show here in Denver. It was Evangeline the Oyster Girl. Uh, she was actually recreating a number that she learned from uh, a legend. A legend is what we call our sort of foremothers, the ladies that used to perform in the like mid-century. Um, but they, uh, she learned from Evangeline the Oyster Girl, Kitty West, and took it on the road, came to Denver, and I got to see it and just fell in love. Uh, it was uh, sensual and beautiful. She had green hair and a silver costume and came out of a giant shell. Uh, so there was a lot to love in that, that first moment of my exposure to burlesque. And then um, I sort of took it on, took on the idea of creating a full vintage burlesque show like I had seen in, in old books. 
uh, and took it on as an art project, basically. Got all of my artist friends involved, and we created a full stage show with giant props and backdrops and, uh, you know, chorus lines and lighted staircases and really, really ridiculous stuff. Um, and so that's where I started. And the way that I came to burlesque was really going to the library, finding all of these amazing books, seeing all these incredible images of these gorgeous women and comics and other folks that were involved in burlesque. And then uh, starting to, to put on these shows myself. So I kind of started from a research background, you know, just sort of researching it as this big art project and then actually doing it as an art performance. And then eventually got to do more research and write a book. That's amazing. I think that all of the listeners out there have some sort of a memory about watching an old musical or an old stage show. And when you say, you know, lighted staircase and the big ridiculous props and the, you know, feather fans and boas, I think that is something that is so ingrained in our culture that sometimes we don't even realize that that is a piece of the burlesque history. And I love that whole vintage feel and that whole vintage aspect of glamour. And I think burlesque really captures that. Can you share a little bit about the history of burlesque in America and, you know, maybe even before kind of where it came from? So listeners who are thinking, I'm not exactly sure what you mean when you say burlesque, will know what we're talking about. Um, so it has a really long history. Uh, it actually started out in Italy. Um, the word burlesque is Italian and it was an art form and a theatrical form uh, that was all men, first off. So men in the women's parts, men in the men's parts. And it was always very satirical. So you can sort of think of, uh, of it as sort of the original Saturday Night Live. So they would um, sing parodies of popular songs. They would do all kinds of send-ups of uh, rich people and the royals and, um, any, and anyone that we're, we're sort of like ripe for making fun of, just like we do today. So it started out as that. And then in the late 1800s, there was a performer, Lydia Thompson, who she took that idea, turned it on its head, cast all women in the roles, and still continued with this kind of, you know, play, playful, fun sort of show. But then you also added uh, because women were in men's costumes, they were also emulating Greek goddesses who were supposed to be sometimes nude or partially clothed. Uh, in that time, that was never going to happen on stage, but they would wear full body stockings or they would wear tunics and tights, which was the men's costume at that time. If you think of Shakespeare, tunics and tights. So it's women in those. So you're seeing the full form of the leg. Very, very shocking. Um, so it, it's, it, it was that first sort of mix of um, sexuality and sensuality and humor. And so that really is the root of burlesque. And then you go into the next century and more, um, you know, playing with the idea of disrobing and the, the female form comes into it, but you still have the comedy, you know, you have a, a, a really beautiful showgirl act uh, sandwiched between these really great comedian acts. Um, and so that comes into the next century and that, that really kind of defined it for the next, uh, you know, 50 years. Mm -hmm. It's so important, I think, to note that it started off as men and that Lydia Thompson took it over. 
because oftentimes I hear people say, isn't that stripping and isn't that degrading to women and aren't women being used? But if you look at the whole history, no, it's actually women empowering themselves saying, we can be on stage and we will be on stage on our own terms. And yes, it's the female form, but it's not to inspire lust. It's to push the envelope that if men can wear tunic and tights, we can too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there was, there's definitely, uh, they, they wanted to push that idea of, you know, sexuality and sensuality and the fact that like, it's fine if we're on stage and, and you think that, you know, and you're thinking dirty thoughts about us, that's on you. You know, it's not, um, uh, you know, th there was definitely a point where there was something called skirt dancers and men would stand at the edge of the stage and try and look under the skirts. That was, you know, that was part of burlesque, um, you know, and, and the idea, and it's not, you know, it, it's not just men. There's also women also appreciating that, that female body in that way. Um, so, so it's, you know, it's a mix and it's, to me, there's absolutely nothing wrong with finding the female body sexually attractive. So, no. uh, and, and I think also because the culture was so close at that time, you know, with the idea, you know, there's such a separation between, you know, the, the mother and the whore and it's yes. like, you know, put, putting, putting someone up there who is in control of what they're putting on stage is in control of of the, the ideas that they're trying to convey through the stage. And some of them were, you know, sexy and fun. And uh, that's like, I think that's absolutely gorgeous and fine. Um, and also, again, this, you know, the sort of the first time on stage that instead of putting something out there and it just by the nature of, of the fact that it was the female form people are finding it attractive and, and finding something sexual about it. They were actually putting it out there with the intent of like, yes, we know. Yes. And we're going to embrace that and we're going to make fun of it and we're going to have fun with it. So, and that's, yeah. And you see that all through burlesque. It's that, that kind of, you know, little wink and a smile of like, yes, I know. Yes. I know. <laughs> I, I see you watching and I know. And I know. Yeah. And, and again, there are so many layers that I love on that. I mean, even, even <laughs> the title of my book, Reveal Your Smart, Sexy, and Spiritual Self. It's okay to be sexy. It's okay to look good. It's okay. And, you know, it's crazy because we've come a long ways in a lot of regards, but there's still a lot of judgment that a woman can't say she looks good. For a woman to be sexy or be beautiful, there's still that perception, well, then you must not be too smart because you're using your body to get ahead. Well, you must not be a great mom or a great wife if you look that way. I mean, there's, oh, it drives me crazy, but there's still a ton of judgment around that. Yeah, well, and it's and you look at, especially the the women who really, catapulted themselves into stardom, you know, people like Gypsy Rose Lee and Tempest Storm, these really big name burlesque performers, those women were geniuses and they were yes. so hardworking, especially, I mean, Gypsy Rose Lee, she created her own shows. She sewed all of her own costumes. She had in the back of her Cadillac, a sewing machine mounted. So it shows she could pull it out and fix things. Um, she also wrote several books. She had her own talk show in the sixties. I mean, like these, these women were not, 
yeah they were not just a pretty face like they had they really had to work hard to create something so that people would want to book them so that they would get to go on these incredible circuits through the country and yes. what an amazing experience at that time you know at a time where our our options were really limited you know you could be a teacher maybe you could be a nurse yeah uh you could you, you could work in the factories until they kicked you out after the war right you know? so it, it was it was a really frustrating time and these women had so much freedom you know they were able to travel across the country and were paid very very well um they were able to create their own shows come up with these wonderful ideas you know and and do really creative work you know some of them some of them sewed like gypsy rose lee and others collaborated with these incredible seamstresses and seamsters and to create these shows and, and you know, how their costumes would come back. Because in those days, their numbers were like 20 minutes long, sometimes 45 minutes long. So they had to come up with these outfits that, you know, they could parade around and play with. They had to have several layers. They had to have, you know, something that is going to keep someone's attention for 45 minutes, a single person on stage. So, I mean, they were pretty amazing. That's a lot. That's a lot. And the props too, you know, you had mentioned the lighted staircase and the big glorious props. And I'm reading uh, Leslie Zemeckis's book, The Goddess of Love Incarnate right now. Yeah. yeah, about Lily Sincere and her bathtub and her, you know, dressing table and props. Props are a big piece of it. And it takes, it does take a lot of ingenuity. And I know you, because I've seen you perform, with some pretty amazing headdresses and feather fans and props are difficult. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky I have an arts background, so, you know, that kind of fueled that, you know, I have a background in sculpture. So uh, that was kind of a natural fit for me, but uh, it's, it's really difficult. And, you know, if you can't make them yourself, they're, they're still expensive if you can make them yourself, but they're even more expensive if you have to rely on someone else to make them for you. Uh, so it's not, you know, it's not cheap. And there's, I actually just heard a really wonderful interview recently with um, Kit Natavidad, who she was popular in the late 60s into the 70s and was in a lot of Russ Meyer films. You know, and she, she, she said, you know, even back in, in those days when it really was her career and, and she was, that's what she did full time, uh, she said it was still a struggle, like, you, cause you had to keep, you know, not just the main, main maintenance of the costumes, but also, you know, if you're going to a, a, the same town again, they're not going to want to see that same act in that same costume. So you got to come up with something else new. So you're shelling out m more money to, to get things made and, um, or, you know, change it up somehow. So it's, it, yeah, it's a very expensive business for sure. You know, you make money, mm -hmm. but you're gonna, you gotta spend money. Yes, sure. you do. And 45 minutes. I mean, think about that. Think about 45 minutes. Yeah, we do like five minutes now. So <laughs> tops. Yeah. A little longer. But yeah. yeah, I mean, they, it was, you know, they, they would walk out on that stage and parade and show off the costume and, you know, and you really, one of the things that I really love about burlesque is that that idea that there is no fourth wall. And so as part of that, that performance, you're also just like trying to engage each person in the audience, you know, in, in, in those, well, mid-century burlesque anyway, you were in big theaters. So it's like, you know, you gotta play to the balcony, you gotta go down the, the, the 
the runway, you got to get into the audience a little bit, you got to, you know, if you have a big prop, go play with that for a while, but you have to do it in a way that isn't just like a woman wandering around the stage, it has to be choreographed, it has to be really beautiful and, and intrigue that audience for 45 minutes. Yeah, that's crazy. And that takes a lot of power. That takes a lot. Sometimes people, yeah, sometimes people say, oh, well, burlesque dancers must not have any self-worth. Mm, I think they've got to have quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of confidence to to get up there and be up there. I mean, even, you know, even now, even for our, our, our short little five, 10-minute pieces, um, you know, it is. It's that, that idea of like, a, having the confidence to get up there and think, these people want to see me, mm-hmm. you know, to be, have that confidence. And that's, I mean, that happens with speaking engagements as well, where you're, you know, you have to kind of psych yourself up to like, I am not going to bore the heck out of these people. Like what I, they are here to see me. They are here to experience what I'm going to give to them. Um, and with burlesque, it's the same way where you have to have it in your head that these people are here to see you, that they want what you're about to give them that, you know, what you're presenting this, you know, wonderful, wonderful little creative nugget that you have put together and are here to share with them that they're going to want that. Um, Cause it's, yeah, you can definitely psych yourself out if you don't have that uh, and, and really make it terrible for yourself and probably terrible for your audience. Cause you don't ha- you're not projecting that confidence to them because uh, that, that really does affect their enjoyment as well if they see that you're nervous and, and not all the way in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that also goes to the kind of pandering to the audience. I don't think there is anything wrong or bad about stripping. So let's just say that first out. <laughs> but there's a difference between stripping and burlesque in that when you're stripping, there is kind of that... I'm doing this for the money. I'm doing this. I will play to you for the money. And burlesque, it's a different feel. And I was wondering if you could kind of address that because it is different. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, burlesque is, is, it is its own little theater piece within, you know, five minutes or I guess back in the day, 45 minutes. Right. Uh, (laughs) But it is its own theater piece. And so you are going to, you know, like I, if, if, if someone over here is, is really getting excited, I might come over and give them a little extra attention, but it's still gonna be the same from start to finish. You know, I have, you know, at, at this point I'm doing something with a prop, at this point I'm playing with the audience, at this point I'm taking this thing off, at this point I'm, you know, doing something silly and expressive because it matches the music or, or the character that I'm playing. And so, um, you know, it's like, they could be putting money on the stage and I still, I would need to do all the things that I, I need to do to create this fantasy, to create this act. Um, whereas, yes, at a, at a strip club, the idea is it's commerce. It's very much about that. You know, it's like with burlesque, someone pays a ticket at the door and they're, they're here for that kind of show. Whereas in a strip club, it's much more, oh, I, I want to get that from you. And so I'm going to come towards you and create something on the spot for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very, yeah, it's a very different art form for sure. It is. And there's both the role of character and fantasy. Um, strippers don't get up there and just act like themselves, <laughs> but it's, it's no, <laughs> oh no, but it's a higher level of characterization and fantasy in the burlesque world. And what fascinates me is 
there is the burlesque beauty. There is the, you know, gorgeous gown and the boas and the gloves. But burlesque also embraces all body shapes, all body sizes, all ages, it, beauty in all of its form. It's not that you must look like a Barbie doll to be a burlesque dancer. And I think there's a lot of power in that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, one of my favorite things when I was doing burlesque more regularly was uh, most shows that I did afterwards, someone would come up and say, I saw you know, someone on the stage tonight, or you look like what I look like naked, and there was a room full of people going crazy, and so they thought you were gorgeous and sexy, and now I've connected myself to that experience, and so they walk away thinking, wow, if, if they thought she is, she's gorgeous and sexy, I am also, because I look just like that, so yes. that was really, that was always amazing. Um, and then I also loved even just, and I still love going to burlesque shows uh, and seeing, you know, being in the audience and seeing someone get on, up on stage who is not the sort of American ideal of beauty and, you know, someone more voluptuous, someone who just doesn't look like yeah, um, a Barbie doll magazine model. Yeah. And so they're, you know, so, so, you know, in the audience and, and the audience is maybe unsure about this person, there's a little hesitancy. And then that person just wins them over in seconds, you know, they do something incredible and fun or gorgeous or over the top and the audience is suddenly going nuts for them. So you see that a lot in burlesque. Um, and I, I think, I think it really changes minds you know someone walks in thinking one way that like this is the only thing that can be sexy and then all of a sudden they see something they're like oh yeah 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 you're my favorite performer now yeah 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 i agree and i yeah and i also think it's healthy um our culture is so sanitized we see photoshopped images and we see models, actors, actresses, whatever, who have a very limited body type. And we don't see, and again, burlesque isn't totally naked. I'm going to make that clarification. You're never totally naked in burlesque, but you do see a lot of the full body. We don't see aging people. We don't see sick people. We don't see that. And it makes us, <clears throat> excuse me, feel weird. And during the Burlesque Hall of Fame uh, weekend, which is an event that happens once a year in Vegas, there's a show that features the burlesque legends. And these are women, what, in their 70s, sometimes in their 80s? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, that's usually my favorite night. And especially because you can see, you know, these are women who spent years and years um, you know, sometimes doing three, four shows a day. So it is like in their DNA now, like those movements, the way that they carry themselves on stage. Um, and yeah, and I, I mean, I've seen many of these women get on stage and there's, you know, sometimes they even struggle to actually get to that center stage because, yes. you know, the years and the toll that uh, it's taken on their body. But man, the, the moment that music starts, the moment they start going into their routine and it's like, you know, 50 years comes off and yes. they're back, 
back on the stage, you know, wherever, wherever they used to perform, they're in front of those old crowds, they're, you know, feeding off the energy of the audience in that room, screaming for them. And it's, it's completely magical. And it is, it's, 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 uh, you know, I mean, I, I personally, I grew up going to a spa here in Denver where I saw women of all shapes and sizes. And so I've never had those kind of hangouts, but I know that most of the world, you know, it's like, like, ah, oh, I want to see. An, right. I don't want to see that. Uh -huh. Yeah. I don't want to see someone heavier without their clothes off. And then suddenly you're presented with this person on stage that is just captivating you. And I think it really, you know, I think it helps move the culture forward. And I, and I do feel, um, and it, it, it's, I don't think it's burlesque. I don't think burlesque did this, but I have been really encouraged to see probably within the last 20 years, because I've been doing, uh, been part of the burlesque world for over 20 years now, but I've seen kind of a parallel movement in our general culture of more, um, more people embracing that and, you know, body positivity movement really coming to the forefront, um, you know, even talk in the world of modeling of putting people on the stage who are uh, not, you know, a zero or negative zero or whatever, you know, right. the, the kind of clothes hanger body um, and, and also trying to promote more healthy body types. So, so I feel like we're, you know, we're, I feel like burlesque is part of that movement, you know, Agreed. I think that there, there's a larger one, but I feel like we are definitely part of that. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Now we've talked a little bit, um, about the whole vintage side of things, where burlesque came from, what it's done, how it's kind of changed the culture. We still have a burlesque movement. It's the whole neo-burlesque movement. And I was wondering if you could talk about that, how it's similar to burlesque, how it's different than burlesque. When people hear the phrase neo-burlesque versus burlesque, they'll want to know what that means. Um, yeah, well, for me, neo-burlesque is just burlesque that started in the 90s. So um, with that, uh, there is uh, classic burlesque, so things that kind of emulate that mid-century burlesque. Um, and then there's stuff that's more um, avant-garde, um, things that play with more kind of modern ideas and modern culture, um, but it's all burlesque. I mean, it's all basically the, the same, you know, it's like in the, the 50s, Dixie Evan was emulating Marilyn Monroe. Now someone's doing a show that is emulating a you know, character from the Marvel universe. The same, same difference. It's the same. Yeah. So just mm -hmm. like, it's still, you know, playing with uh, fun icons and uh, glamour and, you know, mixing up all kinds of stuff. So I think it's, uh, you know, it's just us doing it now. And we do yes. it for five minutes instead of 45. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a little yeah. different, you know, it's maybe our, uh, our short attention span culture that we do, we do a little yeah, no. shorter, so. <laughs> no yeah. kidding. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, you know, Dolly Parton is a burlesque artist. She takes the female form and she over-exaggerates it and she becomes kind of a caricature of herself. And that's, yeah. that's a burlesque art form. That is a thing. It's not that you have to do a bump and a grind and a shimmy and have a boa. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You can, but you don't have to. Exactly. So where do you think a burlesque is going from here? Is this something that's always going to be in our culture? I, I like how you talked about kind of the parallel tracks 
that we are becoming more body positive. We are becoming, I mean, ageism, sexism, you know, gender, all of those things we're really addressing in our world. And it's fun and important and powerful to act them out on stage as well, because art is a reflection of life. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, you know, uh, I've talked to some of my, my peers who started in the 90s and we were like, we didn't think this would last more than five years. Yeah. We were like, this seems like a fun thing to try and we'll play with it and I'm sure it'll die out. And then it just kept going. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I think that everyone who comes to it, uh, they find their own thing in it. They play with it. I love that there's been especially here in Colorado and Denver, there's been a lot of mixing of the like drag culture and burlesque culture. There's, you know, people who are doing burlesque, but then they're also going and doing drag king performance. Uh, so yeah, so I think because it's such a really wonderful open art form at this point, um, you can put anything in it. You, mm -hmm. you know, whatever you're interested in, whatever you want to explore, whatever character uh, you you can do it. And so I, I think that will make it an interesting art form for a very long time to come. I think, you know, people will keep reinventing it and keep playing with it. Uh, you know, I've, within the last like probably 15 years, things like, you know, nerdlesque and geeklesque and, and um, uh, you know, people doing shows that are, you know, sort of more like dark and fetishy and gothic and you know, everybody can kind of take that nugget that is burlesque and play with it within the genres that they're interested in. So yeah, it's just mm -hmm. going to keep going. And political burlesque, there's plenty to do <laughs> political burlesque. So yes, that, that, that's my most requested. I've got a Me Too routine. And that is my most requested routine. You know, if you're like, oh my God, will you come do that routine? It's political. It's making a statement. It's about Me Too and silencing women and women's voices. And that's, it's powerful. And people cry. I actually just had the opportunity to go down to Pueblo and perform it. Everybody was crying. And oh, that's so great. it's wonderful. But that's what I love so much about burlesque. It can be fun and feel good and flu-fluey and feathery. It can be vintage. It can be sexy. It can be nerdy, gothic, geeky. But it can also really make a statement. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you had mentioned drag and men. Yeah. yeah and men, I, I just wanted to comment. Men do do burlesque. It started off as all men. Then it became all women. Now we do have men doing burlesque too, but I feel like it is still an art form that is for, by, and about mostly women. Is that what oh, you think? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we, we definitely open up the space and are sharing it with men um, frankly, if you look at the boy, the boy less population, um, mostly, uh, queer men, mm -hmm. uh, so possibly because they're a lot more, uh, comfortable with their sexuality than most straight one. Yes. And also more, more, I, I think, willing to sort of play with, uh, sexuality and sensuality and, and uh you know and and feel okay making fun of it on stage so uh so yeah so so mostly but definitely some some straight men thrown in but it is yeah predominantly still very female focused female driven um i do love little side notes so they do as part of the burlesque hall of fame they do 
the the king of burlesque, yes. uh, which is the male ca- category, and a drag king one a few years ago. So it's very again, it's very open, all genders, all types. I love fluid. That. Like I, I I love very yeah. It's a very fluid art form. Um, but yeah, definitely. The, I mean, the root is definitely in the feminine. Mm-hmm. And it's still, if you look at most of the burlesque that's being produced, it is, you know, mostly women produce, producing it um, and performing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You said comfortable with your sexuality. And I just want to circle back around to that because isn't that the root of so much stress and evil in our world today? <laughs> yes. yes, 100%, 100%. Oh my yeah. gosh. Oh. Yeah, that we're not comfortable with our own sexuality and that we're uncomfortable with others' sexuality. So we're thinking we have to control, blah, 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 blah. And it's so refreshing to be able to put something on stage and to show humans are sexual beings. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it, and it, and I, I, I mean, I think it's gorgeous. And I also, I think it's, that's another thing that, you know, someone coming in and seeing a burlesque show for the first time and not quite knowing what they're getting into, you know, I think that's something that also uh, is beneficial to them, you know, that they can be like, oh, you know, like sort of, sort of, they were in this little sort of closet box and all of a sudden they're like, oh, there's this whole different world out there. Uh, and people who aren't afraid of their sexuality, and maybe I could also not be afraid of that. Uh, you know, when I when I used to teach, that was kind of the the number one thing. You know, we would do that the thing at the very beginning where everyone would say, you know, why am I? Why are you here? Why? What are you hoping to get out of this? And time after time, it was, I need I I I'm, I need to get out of my box. I need to. You yes. know, I want to be more comfortable and in touch with my sensuality and my sexuality. Uh, And that was such a common comment. So it's, yeah, you know, whether you're actually going in and learning it or if you're just going to a show, uh, I think it's really helpful. It is really helpful. It is. And tagging onto that too, it is getting comfortable with it. And it doesn't mean that you're an easy person. It doesn't mean that you're sleeping around. It doesn't mean anything. It's a way to get in touch with a piece of you that society tells you you shouldn't be in touch with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think, um, yeah, I think it just, it opens people's eyes to the fact that it's okay, that we are, you know, like, it's such a baffling thing to me because we are, you know, as humans, we think of sort of the, the sort of base things. It's, you know, it's like, you know, like food and uh, sex. Yes. And, and we're like, we seem to embrace food fine, mostly. <laughs> There's some problems there as well. But yeah, the sex part has just been like, no, no, it's this, you know, this thing that we bury or we fetishize or it's, you know, so complicated and wrapped up in all of these weird, you know, often icky things. And uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's uh, something that we all should spend more time thinking about and getting in touch with in whatever way we can. And burlesque is a really good way to do that, it is. I think. It's a safe, comfortable way to do it. Yeah, it absolutely. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. Now you had also said at the beginning of a show, somebody comes in and they don't know what to expect. That's a whole other thing. This is a different kind of a theater. You don't just sit down in your little seat and chill out and watch. Can you talk about what the audience participation is like in a burlesque show and why? Yeah. So again, there's no fourth wall in burlesque. So, you know, the idea is, you know, you are playing to that audience and in return, the audience should play back, you know, so you want hoots and hollers and whistles and uh, words of appreciation. You know, it's like going to a sporting event, you know, you want to cheer when uh, the performer does something wonderful that you love. Uh, and that audience or the performer in in turn then feeds off of what the audience is giving them. And it's a fantastic, gorgeous, like I, I know people Fine. who have gone into burlesque from the theater world and, you know, they're used to the like, you know, do a full scene, it's 25 minutes and then, <laughs> and they get into burlesque and it's like, I did something, <laughs> you know, the audience is screaming at like everything you do and you just have this like cacophony of noise coming at you and they get off stage and it is, it's such a great high because yeah. there's so much energy coming at you. Um, and it just like, it, you know, drives your number to be even better and bigger and more fun in your movements. Um, yeah, it's great. It is. And what I love the most about that (laughs) is when you do something wrong and you're on stage and you can kind of acknowledge that it went wrong and the audience is supporting you. You know, you drop a prop or your zipper is stuck and you're like, ah, ah. (laughs) And sometimes you can hide it and get by with it. And sometimes it's a big old mistake, but the audience can laugh along with you. And one of my things that I always work on for my personal development is perfectionism. I am such a perfectionist and there's nothing more powerful for me than being on stage and having something go massively wrong and having to deal with it in the moment and to be loved and accepted even more because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Burlesque audiences are pretty fabulous. I mean, it is different everywhere. I will say that Denver, uh, we're very lucky. And, but most, most burlesque audiences are, they're there for a good time. They're there to be entertained. They're there to be part of something. And so, yeah, they're on the performer's side. They are, you know, I've, I've seen performers who, you know, they, they couldn't, couldn't get a, a zipper undone. And so they're like, all right, you closest audience member. <laughs> help me out. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah, absolutely. They're, uh, they're not there to, to judge. They're not there to uh, be critics. They're, they want to be entertained and they, they want to have, they want to have fun with you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. I was doing my big tap dance 4th of July routine and I leapt from the stage onto a concrete floor and I slid. It was like, I, and I just like, boom. And I was thinking, this is awful. This is, everyone's like, yeah. (laughs) yeah too fun we're gonna take a quick break for um, a word from our sponsor and then when we come back i'm going to walk you through the five steps of flaunt and have you share a little bit more about your personal experiences your personal journey so we will be back in just a moment 
to all the women who have cried in the shower, smiled when they wanted to scream, and couldn't wait to get home and unhook their bra. Flaunt is the definitive guidebook on how to get back in touch with who you are underneath your labels, roles, and scripts. Fall in love with yourself right now. Breathe life into the dreams you left behind and live each day with uninhibited joy. Pick up a copy of Laura Cheadle's number one best-selling book, Flaunt. Drop your cover and reveal your smart, sexy, and spiritual self wherever books are sold. It's available in print, digital, and audio formats and comes with two downloadable meditations. And we are back with Michelle Baldwin, the mother of burlesque in Denver and the author of Burlesque and the New Bump and Grind. She's been sharing with us all about the history of burlesque um, and also how burlesque really is an art form that tackles ageism, sexism, female power, uh, traditional standards of beauty. It's an art form that really is for, by, and about women. And it really empowers us all to embrace all aspects of who we are, in particular, our sexuality and our beauty and our worth. So Michelle, I'm going to take you through the five steps of flaunt and have you just share bits of your soul. You know, you, you, you strip down on stage and now we're going to strip you down a little bit mentally. <laughs> Flaunt is an acronym, and it stands for Find Your Fetish, Laugh Out Loud, Accept Unconditionally, Navigate the Negative, and Trust in Your Truth. You shared a little bit about your journey, you know, being an art major, being an art person, that you, that, that's what you love. Is art your fetish, or do you have other fetishes, desires, dreams? What is the kind of world you want to create? What is your deepest, most sacred, beautiful wish, your fetish for yourself and for the world? Um, yeah, I think just creating beauty. Like, that's what it's always been. Um, you know, since I was an art student, you know, coming into this, I'm in my home, you can see some of my tiki room behind me. Um, you know, my whole house, every room's a different color. Uh, I'm obsessed with vintage fashion. You know, when I leave the house, I'm always dressed in something interesting, uh, partially because I just love dressing like that. And so I want to see that in the mirror, but also because I love going out into the world and having someone, you know, compliment me or um, some of my favorite comments are people who uh, who say, oh, you know, you're so brave. I could never dress like that. I was like, yes, you can. Here's the website. This is where yeah. you can buy it. You can look fabulous like this, you know, or you, I can never do my hair like that. Yes, you can. Here's how you do it. This is, you know, so, um, you know, and, and, and I think that, you know, empowering others to bring beauty into their life and experience beauty. Um, so yeah, I just, I love creating it. I love sharing it. Yeah. And you do. You do. I, I've been to your house. Your every room, every art, every wall is a work of art. And same thing with the clothing. And I appreciate what you said about the hair, the clothing, and the makeup. Because sometimes people think, oh, I have to, I have to put on makeup because I'm insecure. No, I do my makeup and my hair and wear my clothes because it's a fun art project for me every morning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
And there's huge power in that. So creating beauty, sharing beauty. I love that. The next step of flaunt is L and that's for laugh out loud. And I would like for you to share some of your thoughts around laughter because doing what you do is quote unquote different. And although there are people that embrace that and say, you look amazing. I wish I could do that. It's my guess that you've probably had some experiences where people say, art, why are you dressing like that? That's weird burlesque. What's going on with that? How do you use laughter to balance that out? And what is the role of laughter in finding your fetish, in creating beauty, in sharing all that you love and are most passionate about? Um, I think using laughter and humor, it disarms people. You know, it's, it's something where, you know, like if someone, someone does say something like that, um, they have some sort of wall up, obviously, yeah. and they're kind of pushing. And, you know, so, so if you can use a little humor, if you can be playful, if you can, um, you know, sort of approach things in a non-serious way, uh, then you can often break those walls down. Uh, you can kind of get in there and be able to uh, hopefully draw them into your world. Uh, and in my case, you know, be, then being able to share that beauty and, and hopefully uh, get them to make that part of their lives. Um, so yeah, I think that's humor is wonderful in that way. It's, uh, it's a good way to really approach anything, you know, if you can, if you can bring that sort of spirit of play and playfulness, uh, I think it's really helpful, especially, yeah, especially those folks that they're, they're not having it for whatever reason, uh, whatever is in their background, wherever, whatever world they come from that is sort of blocking them from participating and, and being playful. Um, yeah. So, mm -hmm. so I think that that's really helpful. Disarm is a great word because yeah, it is. It's a block. It's a fear. It's whatever. And disarm is a great word. Yeah. The next step of flaunt is AU. And I call that the golden center of flaunt. And that's accept unconditionally. And in my experience, both personally and with the women that I coach, the hardest thing for us to do is accept unconditionally. Either accept ourselves unconditionally and where we're at and what our life is like, and to accept other people, to accept the world, to accept all that external stuff unconditionally, because we all have this idea in our head that it should look like this and we should do this and it should work out that way. And then when it doesn't, which it rarely does, we internalize it and we think I did something wrong and I can't accept that. <laughs> yeah. What is your most difficult thing to accept about yourself and about the world around you? Um, it's a deep question. I know. Tough. It yeah. is. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I think it's also, I, I was very, very lucky to have two of the most amazing people raise me. Um, yeah. and so there is, um, yeah, they were teachers, and so I've I've never had a whole lot of um, sort of barriers against anything in the world, uh, and have always felt pretty accepting. Um, so, I mean, I think the 
the hardest thing to accept in myself sometimes is, uh, I don't know, <laughs> like, uh, probably wanting to do too much, I guess. I can relate yeah. to that one. Yeah. And, and, and just, you know, there's not, not enough hours in the day, not enough time to learn everything. So right now it's a little easier. It's a little more time. Um, but, uh, yeah. And I think also like, because I've always had such a non-traditional mostly, uh, way of approaching things and, you know, my work and the art that I create, um, the, uh, the sort of accepting that I'm, I'm not normal. <laughs> I'm not, Yay! I'm not, yeah, yeah, which, which is awesome. But there's also those, you know, I, I remember in school, you know, I was art student, art in, in English. And I had a freak out where I was like, what am I doing? I'm never going to get a job. And so I went to the science department. I was like, is there anything I can do? Is there <laughs> something else? And the woman's just like, just go back to the art department. Just no. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. And I was, I've been fine. But um, yeah, I think, you know, because we have, we live in this world that uh, on, you know, so many external levels tries, tries to, it's like you're supposed to do these things. Like this is what you do. And it's becoming, I, I feel like it's becoming more free uh, on some levels. I guess other parts of the culture in my in my bubble, it's becoming more yes. it's becoming more free, <laughs> and we're we're more accepting of that. Um, you know, I'm I'm not in the position that like you know, for instance, my mother's generation was, where it's like you, um, you know, you finish school and you get married, or you finish school, you go to college, and then you get married, right? Um, which is what she did, and but you're that is you're on that path, and that's what you're doing. Um, yes. and I've never. I've never even considered that path. <laughs> so it's not, yeah. I mean, I went to school. I went to school for a very long time because I kept adding. <laughs> yes. I was like, no, I want to do this. No, I want to do this. Um, but uh, yeah, there, like there was never that set. But every once in a while, it's that, that moment of like, wait, am I supposed to be doing this? Like, isn't, you know, you kind of look at the external world and what other people are doing. And but right. most of the time I'm able to, not compare myself to anyone like that. Good. Good. But it is normal, I think, because sometimes I'll have that too. Should I be doing this? Oh my gosh, I'm 51. What are women my age doing? It doesn't matter what women are my age are doing, <laughs> but that thought will creep in sometimes. Laura, you shouldn't be doing this. Oh, and yeah. it's like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. 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 No. The next step of flaunt is N, navigate the negative. Do you have any tips on navigating the negative that you could give to listeners, either in their real life, um, even as, as far as being on a stage, just any tips for navigating the negativity that comes up in life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I think a lot of it is, again, not comparing yourself to others. Um, it's like, that is so dangerous. You can't, you can't do it. You, you are on your path, you are doing, you know, it's like, if, if you feel good about the, the, the place you're going, you know, like look ahead. I think that that's, that's a lot of like what I try to do is like, like, like eyes forward. I'm just focusing on what I need to focus on, not looking over here and going, Oh, should I be doing that? Or, Oh, that 
looks like that person is doing this better than I am. It's like, no, 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 like focus, you know, stay, stay focused on, on what you're doing. Um, and I think that's really helpful. Um, yeah, it's just, it's so dangerous. And I, yeah, I yeah. feel, um, it's something that I, because I always do that, you know, I try, I try to try not to do that, but, um, yeah, I just see so many people that get caught up in those kind of those really negative spirals because they're they're looking outward way too much and not just like focusing on the things that are making them happy that will um, fulfill them and not thinking about those external things. You know, what's fulfilling them? Who cares what's fulfilling them? What's right. going to fulfill you? Um, so yeah, kind of uh blocking out those voices that kind of tell you that you're you're you should be doing something else or you should be paying attention to this person yeah yeah and i think burlesque is a great way to do that because it really allows you to step into that role that character of oh, this is me this is the way i do it yeah yeah and it's also you know i, I always said in my classes uh you know fake it until you make it and part of that because that, that's what i did i was a very shy person when I started out. Um, and it was, all right, I'm just gonna act like I'm confident, you know, and what is that? It's like, you're smiling more and, you know, being emphatic. And, and then, and then there's a point where you're like, oh, wait, no, I am confident. It does now. work. You know, you, you sort of, you're, yeah, it's, and, it, and it, again, it's like focusing on that and not focusing on, oh my God, what do they think of me? So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And then the last step of flaunt is T and that stands for trust in your truth. And that's so much of what you were just saying. Look inward. Don't look externally, look inward and find out what you want and look ahead and see where you're going because then you'll know where you're going. Who is Michelle Baldwin? What is your truth? What do you know for sure about you? Um, what do I know for sure about me? I, I know that, uh, I'm always going to do what makes me happy. Uh, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't compromise. I don't, uh, yeah, I, if I look at something and I was like, this is, this is not serving me, it goes out of my life. Uh, I only keep things in my life and participate in things that uh, I enjoy and that I, I see as something that's going to better me and and make my life better. Um, mm. Yeah. So so really pushing out those things that don't serve me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. And listeners, and this is just the perfect segue for me to jump in. If you're sitting there thinking, yeah, I get that, but I don't even know what makes me happy anymore because I've spent the last 20 years raising kids and following my boss's directions and doing this and doing that and doing this and taking care of blah, 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 blah. I hear you. <laughs> I spent a lot of years not knowing what made me happy because I was so busy doing all of the shoulds. And yes, it was burlesque that helped me break out of that and start figuring out what do I no longer need in my life? Who is Laura? What does Laura want? And what makes her happy? So if you can relate to that, reach out to me. I 
I am happy to have a 30 minute call, um, call with you where we can kind of discuss that, where we can explore some either burlesque options or some other options for figuring that out. Because just like Michelle was saying, yes, you can fake it until you make it, but unless you know what you're faking, <laughs> how do you even know who you are? So, yeah. So I know from my personal journey, it's been a rough one and I'm there. Michelle has had a journey too, and she is here and she is that confident person. Whoever you want to become, you can. And I really encourage you to reach out, laura at lauracheadle.com. I can also connect you with Michelle if you'd like some more information. Find her book and let's get you figuring out what makes you happy. Michelle, thank you so much for your insight, for your wisdom, and for sharing your journey with listeners today. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. And is there, do you have any uh, website or contact information that people can reach out to you in case they've got more information or questions? Um, so the best way to contact me, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all of that is Vivian Vaboom, which is V-I-V-I-E-N-N-E, Vivian, um, the French Vivian. Yeah, uh, Vaboom. And um, so, yeah, you can find me all over the place with that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, listeners. I hope you learned. I hope you were inspired. Reach out to me. I cannot wait to see you next week. And in the meantime, have a phenomenal week. And as usual, always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Overcome the need to please and find the uninhibited joy of being exactly who you are right now. Come find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Find out more and get your free gift at lauracheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E dot com.